1: Today we're going to do some ghost hunting with Daryl Marston, who was chief investigator with A&E Ghost Hunters when they were on. And Daryl's going to I'm going to bring Daryl in. He has done so much and he's going to tell us about his background and what he has been doing and give us some great ghost stories. So welcome to the show, Daryl. Great to hey. have you here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome.
1: Great. Um, so how do you get into ghost hunting? I always um, want to say ghost busting, but it's ghost hunting.
2: No worries, <laughs> I've heard that a million times. I'm sure, yeah. And I always hear one of the one I always I love is, "You're the guy from Ghostbusters." No, not from Ghost.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: Bill Murray. No, no, I'm the guy yeah. from Ghostbusters.
1: <laughs> but you know, you don't bust any ghosts. You just hunt the ghost. That's the difference. Uh, well,
2: it's it ghost hunting is more of a term. Uh, it's more investigating than anything. Yes. Investigate, but I got started by complete accident. Um, back in 2005, uh, the fall of 2005, I actually got invited to like uh, a paranormal um investigation, a ghost hunt, if you want to call it. Um, it's around October, around Halloween, and it was only like maybe two or three hour event. I never, I didn't know what to expect. I went, uh, thinking it was gonna be fun, cool, you know, didn't think that anything happen. And my first time ever investigating, or I wasn't investigating. I was just there, kind of doing the tour. I actually um, witnessed a uh, half-body apparition, and um, I didn't know what to think of it. I was, uh, I was, you know, shocked and
1: freaked out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was freaked out. I was just, I didn't even mention it at the time. I kind of just watched this this man um, who I could only see from like the shoulders up. Mm-hmm. When I a half body, um, just standing there staring at me um, in a place called Fort Delaware, here where I live in my home state. And it's, uh, it's an old, old Civil War prison camp from, um, the you know, most of the prisoners that were there were from the Battle of Gettysburg. And uh, so I'm figuring this guy must have been a, a Confederate, you know, prisoner of war who I saw. And uh, it stuck with me, and I knew when I left there that night, somehow, some way, I was going to kind of you know try to recreate this and try to figure out what I saw. So I started doing it on my own. I didn't know anything about equipment or investigating or anything at that time. So I just kind of started doing local places and reading but up. Did
1: you go out and buy equipment? Did you? Not,
2: oh no, not for a while. It was maybe a year or two before <laughs> I go. I just was going to these local places and just kind of just exploring them at the time, more mm-hmm. like an urban exploration type thing. And um, then I started getting into the equipment, like recorders and, you know, some of the equipment of the time, you know, when mm-hmm. you're 17, 18 years ago now. Um, you know, so you were equipment- going
1: into the paranormal. You were doing the research of the history and then kind of <sighs> using psychic ability to look no,
2: around? no, 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 no. no. I'm, okay, that's
1: what I need to, yeah.
2: I'm not a psychic in no means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Psychic abilities. I just went there to kind of just feel the places out and see if I yeah. can find, see if I, I you know, witness what I capture or what I saw at the time. Because um, I saw this with my own two eyes. This wasn't a psychic vision or anything. I saw this man standing there for a good 10 seconds staring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh yeah, no, I just, uh, it, it would be like a paranormal experience that anybody would have, like, never, who's never had one, really. Right. And, and you're kind of like, but I took it to the next level where I wasn't afraid of it. I just wanted to recreate it. I was, I was uh, drawn in by it, and hooked. I was like, this is there's something more to this. And you always want to know, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, that right. you know, what happens to you in the afterlife? Is there an afterlife? What happens when we die? And it's, you know, yeah. when you wish like that, they're like, okay, there's something more to this, and um, so that's when I started following it and started, you know, reading up on it and and watching videos online, and and then started finding places in my local state and the surrounding states. And I live like two hours from Gettysburg and you know a half hour, forty five minutes from Philly. So I've had all these cool places I could go to, and you know, eastern states, Gettysburg. Uh, Fort Delaware, Pennhurst, all these cool places out here in my area. And uh, I did them all, you know, and Mm -hmm. started. It just grew from there. Yeah.
1: Wow. So um, you started to investigate the history as well, or you just walked in and went with the feel?
2: Just went with the feel, yeah. I mean, you see enough about these places on TV and at the time, at least. You know, on the, on the different paranormal shows that were coming out at the time, you would see them all over. them, Especially out here on the East Coast, you saw a lot of really cool places.
1: Damn, and um, East Coast is pretty haunted.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's it's one of the older parts of you know, are you know, with the, the the settlers coming over here and, and settling in America. Um, you know, this is where it kind of started here on the East Coast, and we, you know, it kind of grew and it moved to the Midwest and to, to the West eventually, but. um yeah, so the how, the, uh, a lot of the, the stuff out here is a little bit older. But, um, yeah. So I'd, How
1: successful were you when you went out and just started to feel it? it and-
2: a lot. I mean, it was hard to recreate what happened. It just doesn't happen all the time. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and to recreate it takes a long time now i had other things happen to me you know i would get you know once once i started using recorders and things of that nature i started getting you know evps and things that which were cool you know now these days to me an evp is like okay whatever now what's
1: an evp for anybody who doesn't know on my in my audience
2: uh, i'm sorry oh what is what is an evp evp is basically you take an audio recorder, you turn it on, you start asking questions, and you get a response back that you maybe don't hear with your own ears. Now, sometimes you hear it aud- audibly, where you hear it in real time in the air, and you can't explain it. Uh, where a recorder will pick it up uh, for whatever reason, and you know because they're speaking on a lot lower, you know, current, you know, like a lot lower volume than we we can actually hear or maybe a higher volume than we can hear. So that's what, you know, basically an EVP is. L- electronic voice That's what it stands for.
1: Okay. And and that's old equipment now, huh?
2: Not really? No, people, I mean, it just, the equipment's gotten better. I mean, the, from the old recorders, you know, that you, you would buy at Radio Shack to things like I use, like the Zoom 6, which is a really high tech piece of equipment. Uh, they've just gotten better, to be honest with you.
1: Hmm. Well, that's good. Um- so, once you started getting the equipment and all that, and going around to all these places, what happened next?
2: Um, it, it went on for a few years. Uh, my, uh, I, I, I was dating my wife at the time, and she started getting into it. So we started traveling and, you know, staying at some of these haunted locations, like in Gettysburg. Excuse me, like, uh, like a lot of B and B's and things of that nature that are haunted. And just going out there, taking a vacation, you know, most people go on vacation, they go to the Bahamas or Hawaii or something. We go to <laughs> window, Gettysburg and places like that and spending a week and just, you know, having a good time investigating every day, every night, any time you had a chance. And, uh, and
1: How welcome that-
2: are you? Oh, you're very welcome. Are I am. Mean, what do you mean by the, the
1: well people? you know the people yeah and, the, and so you're you're going into these places and and ghost hunting basically well, most,
2: of, most of them that's kind of where they make their bread and butter to be honest oh, with okay. you yeah Paranormal. especially then which it was huge it kind of it kind of plateaued out for a few years and now it's huge again it's mm-hmm. one of those friend um and now it's just on everything and, you, know, you can't go on social media about coming across paranormal videos whether they're real or fake whatever uh, but uh it was uh yeah most of these places especially Gettysburg I mean you're either there for the history or you're there for the paranormal that's the two things um so yeah no you go in these places and that's how they sell the you know, these b and are sold as a haunted B&B that's why people go to them most of the time to have an experience and sometimes you get some really cool stuff especially in Gettysburg. Um, but then after that, yeah, that went on for a few years until about 2011 and I wanted to branch out. So I started a team mm-hmm. and that went really well. We started you know, traveling further on the East coast and a little bit into the Midwest, like in Ohio and, and uh, Kentucky and places like that. And started doing some of these larger locations um, like uh, Bobby Mackey's uh Anderson hotel, uh, a dozen others and that grew Um
1: I'm not familiar with the places I'm not a ghost hunter so uh, I'm, yeah I'm not familiar with the place I've been hunted by ghosts but I haven't hunted them <laughs> yeah Different.
2: So, yeah anybody who's a paranormal investigator or you know an enthusiast who's listening will know the places I'm talking about because a lot of them those the shows multiple times but um so we did that for a few years and uh, I, I got to a point where I wanted to pull back and, and not be investigating all the time. So I was going like once a month and you're sitting there, you're, you're, you're paying, you know, sometimes hundreds of dollars to travel and to hotels or whatever mm-hmm. and pull back a little bit. And I was like, how can I stay in the paranormal and still in, and not lose connections and grow still. So I, uh decided to start podcasting and live streaming. And I started out on YouTube on a platform. Uh, there was a paranormal platform on there that you know, brought me on. And uh did that for about a year. It was really slow. It was a smaller platform. Uh, good intentions, but it was it was kind of yeah you know, small. And um so I didn't got into like just podcasting audible, you know, audible uh you know like radio type stuff on a company called K it did that for seven or eight months and it just wasn't my thing uh it was mm-hmm. it was too short. Uh, i'm sorry it
1: was too what You broke up sh- bullet.
2: there was too much structure in it there was not i, I didn't have it yeah you know, like it was your are you were structured to an entire hour and there was commercials and things of that nature by the time you actually interview somebody you probably get 20 25 minutes of an interview in
0: mm-hmm. which
2: was for what we were doing so, and by the way, the name of the show was the American Ghost Hunter Show. Uh, and so I, I, I knew of a, another platform called Paranormal Warehouse, which it's, it was huge. And I was like, man, are we good enough to be on air whatever? So I reached out to them. It took them a while to get back to me. And they, they liked, I sent them my stuff. They liked what we were doing. So they brought us on as a show. And we went from like the first show, literally, we went from having maybe a hundred people listening a week to five to 10,000 people listening live right in the moment. Wow. And it blew up and it, and
1: it was both video and audio.
2: It was, well, it was, uh, it was, it was live stream video. Then it was sold as a podcast, mm-hmm. um, at, um, like a, a, an actual audio podcast. Um, so we did that. And it just blew up and we were having a great time. We were doing one show a week and all of a sudden one show turned into two shows and three shows. And it was like almost, you know, nonstop every week and it was just blowing up and blowing up. And that's actually where uh, the producers from ghost hunters found me Mm was on because I was, you know, the, the, the host of the show. And I had a couple co-hosts with me as well. Some great people, you know? And um, so that's where they found me. Next thing I know, I'm, you know, flying out to L.A. and, and signing contracts and uh, hit the ground running, investigating with Ghost Hunters as, the, you know, one of the lead investigators. And uh, that was amazing. Amazing time. You know, there's almost two years we filmed and um, it was great. We had a great time, you know, running around the country and, and doing all these amazing locations. And it was just it was. It, That's
1: it. Was, I mean, the purse strings opened up, right? And you could yeah. go anywhere.
2: Yeah, you could do anything, and you know everything's you know taken care of for you. Hotels, flights, you know, travel, whatever, and 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 you're pay you're getting paid to do your hobby. So
1: who <laughs> could? Yeah. Why did it end?
2: It ended a lot because of COVID. We wow. filmed. Um, we filmed our last episode of that that second season a week, not even a week. Probably five days, we got home. Before everything got locked down.
1: Wow.
2: No one saw it coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, no one ever could believe anything like that would happen. And boom. And lockdown. We got put on the shelf while our second season was airing. And then next thing you know, A&E was having a lot of problems. And uh, they uh, started letting shows go. They let Live PD go, which is the, the largest um was the largest at the time uh, show on cable television uh, was live PD. And they went, we should, you, the writing was on the wall. As soon as they went, we were like, Oh, we're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: were getting like 7.5, eight point fives a week. Sometimes a low rating for them would be like a 5.5. Uh, and we were getting like 1.2s which is good. Right. I mean, wrong. One, yeah. 1.2 million people watching, but right. uh, yeah. And you know, it's just like, so yeah, they, they kept us on the back burner for about six to seven months. And then they finally, it, it just kind of just went away. And uh, so, yeah, but no, it was, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and uh, it, it opened up so many doors for me. Um, and uh, I, I have no complaints whatsoever. Yeah.
1: What are you doing now?
2: Oh, I own a company. I'm, I actually, and co-owner of Paranormal Warehouse, and uh, we do ad content for um, other companies for like paranormal, horror, sci-fi things of that nature. Um, and I'm traveling the country doing events where I go out and do these appearances, and and either it's like do, I do, I'm doing these college gigs where I go to a college, do lectures about the paranormal, and I also do these live uh, these gigs where we go into. An actual haunted location, the public comes out, investigates, and uh, Q&A, meet and greet type of thing. And uh, just got done writing my book. Actually, I finished it back in February. I started it last year. Uh, It's actually coming out this, well, spring of next year. It's uh, getting the online release, and then the actual hard release is August of next year.
1: Wow, congratulations. Thank I you. want to have you back on right before the book comes out too. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is Dead Live?
2: Now, Dead Live is the show that we're working on now that uh, starts up in June. It's actually the first ever live interactive paranormal show. Um, so let me explain what that means. Okay, so it's live. Of course, people do live shows all the time, or mm-hmm. early, early, you know. But this is interactive where the actual the viewers can actually go on to our site, vote for where like there's four investigators. There's myself, Chelsea Gill, uh, Psychic Medium Chelsea Gills, uh, Mike Diamond and Omar Gosh from Omar Gosh TV. And they can go on there and they can place us every location that on the show will have a map. And they can put us in whatever room they want us to, whatever equipment they want us to use, whatever um, experiment they want us to do. They can make that happen, and we do that on the show. Uh, there's also wow. a, a chat line where they can actually talk to our producers while the show's filming, and the um, and the MC of the show will be. We'll actually be running the actual chat line and talking to them so they could tell us, hey, we saw something in this room behind Daryl standing there. And that gets fed to me from the producers. And I'll say, oh, well, let me see. What, I'll, I'll investigate it, see if I can find anything. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah? It's, uh,
1: a lot it's, going on there. So it's a matter of voting. I mean, it can't be everybody who comes in, go here, go there. You'll be all over the place. So it's a matter of if everybody says I saw something and it's in that corner and 45 percent came in and said that, then you go to that corner.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, that's a hard thing to do live is try and produce a ghost for your audience.
2: Well, you can't produce a ghost.
1: I was going to say, how do you do this?
2: It's all about the investigation. If mm-hmm. uh, you get paranormal, you get paranormal. No one, can, no one can promise that. And if they do, they're 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 not telling you the truth. Right. Uh, no, it's 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 all about the investigation and about the experiment, the experience, the experiments that are happening during the investigation. And um, it's all about the journey. And it's putting the person who's sitting at home in an actual investigation where mm-hmm. they get actually see what happens because there's, you know, like when you're filming a show, there's literally hours and hours and hours. Sometimes something never happens. Uh, And when it does happen, it's gold.
1: Mm -hmm. So now when you're doing this, when you do a live event, this is kind of what you do where you go, um, people buy tickets and join you at an event and you actually do a ghost hunt not, I mean, I know you have speaking events too, but I'm talking about the the ghost hunting events.
2: Yeah, yeah. basically, do is uh, there's a there's two companies I deal with, uh, Flumery Promotions, which sets up a lot of these uh, paranormal events, like at these paranormal locations across the country, and you go there and you do a Q and A session, a meet and greet, kind of hang out with them for a couple of hours, and then you jump into an investigation of the property, or the location. Um, and that runs you know till you know 12 one two o'clock in the morning whatever. So that's how that works now the other company I which is my um, agent he, he runs a, he owns a company called RA Media. and um, that's where I do most of these like you know college tour type events yeah right.
1: So when you're doing an event you have all the equipment there as well. so you're so tell us about the equipment that you use or if you want to tell us while you're talking about you know specific, um event that happened that would be great too.
2: Well, um usually with uh the flumery uh events, the flumery will bring a, bu- a bunch of their equipment and I'll bring some of the stuff that I I prefer to use. Mm-hmm. But um, most of the people that come to these events are like some I'd say 75% of them are hardcore paranormal ghost hunters or okay, they're they people are. and want to do it and they just want to kind of investigate with you. Yeah, you know, they get that's why they're paying the money. And you're kind of there more as an observer, to be honest with you. You know, you're kind of hanging out with them while they're investigating. You're kind of observing what's going on and helping where you can um, and maybe, you know, giving them suggestions. But a lot of times, too, I mean, you're learning just as much from them as they are from you. You know, different techniques and different ways of doing things. So that's what I love about them. It's a learning experience for everyone. But um, as far as equipment goes, the type of equipment, I mean, I'm pretty – I'm I'm not against anybody using anything they want to use if That's what they want. Hey, I'm totally open to it. But what I really stick to is, uh, the bare minimum, uh, a good recorder an audio recorder. I've got a couple I use. Um, I have a, uh, a body cam, which is like the base body cams that cop the other year police force mm-hmm. use. It. Uh, cause I can just turn that on great IR, great audio. And I clip it on and it. It's hands-free. Um, uh, and then I have a thing that's called a uh, EI plus or a data recorder, which is like an all-in-one tool that basically gives you baseline readings of like humidity, um, EMF, pressure, uh, uh, oh, a geophone. So basically it tells you vibration and you can turn that on and off and use it all together or individually. And it has a basically a memory card. That goes in it where you can take that memory. If you get something, you can take that memory card out, put it on your laptop or on your PC and look at it and see where <clears throat> what kind of baseline readings you're getting. That's what I use. That's my personal preference. It fits all in my backpack and it's 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 most of it's hands-free, which is awesome. I don't like getting bogged down by a bunch of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so most of your be- events where they're actually coming in, it's professionals with professionals. So you're, you're, since you've been on a and a Ghost Hunters, you've traveled the country doing this. Mm-hmm. You're like the consultant almost to a bunch yeah. of professionals.
2: No way. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm observing. I'm sitting there. They have questions. I'm there to answer them. I help them out. And there's some, so there's some people who come to these, which the, they're the ones I really like because some of these people come to them have never done this before. Uh-huh. And it's their, and like they're skeptics or they want to believe, but they, yeah, they never had anything happen. Man, when that does happen and you get something and they see that and those look, the look on their face, I I, I've had down so many different events and it's, you always get one at least. And, uh, that's an amazing experience because you just took that person who was a complete skeptic or they're a non-believer and you've turned them and you've got them swaying the other way where they're starting to see, Okay. And then you've got, you got a whole new generation of people who are coming into this, you know, who are, who are figuring it out and like, they are wanting to do it. So you're building basically a base of new people and a new community of people who are coming up, you know, where I was, you know, almost 20 years ago and where the people before me were 30 years ago. Right. And see that, that's that next generation of people. That's awesome. That's an amazing experience.
1: You know what? I want to take a break right now, and then when we come back, I want I want you to share with us some of your your experiences, some of the big, uh, you know, what it's like to really run into these ghosts. Okay, Absolutely. thanks. We'll be right back.
0: One thing's for certain: life is uncertain. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to A Through the Veil at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, we're back. This is Barb Crowley with Metaphysics of View Through the Veil. And we're back with Daryl Marston, who's been telling us about what it is to be a ghost hunter and um, how he got into the field and where he's gone with it. And one of the questions that I actually started to ask during the commercial, I'm going to ask online during these events, which we were talking about before we broke, how um, often is it that you actually see a ghost? How often Uh, in these events, you know,
2: it's not that common to see Mm -hmm. some you see a lot of times you'll just get an EVP. Or you might hear something or someone says they see something out of their corner of their eye or a shadow or something of that nature to see a full body or half body or apparition period is like, it's very, 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 very um, few and far between. Uh, it's one of those things where I went years in between seeing something like that. Uh, it, you know, it's my first experience I had when I got me into this. And then, you know, it probably was good. Seven, eight years before I saw that again. So it's one of those things being at the right place, at the right time. Yeah.
1: So they're not on call. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. they're not on call. So what keeps you going then? Is it the equipment that you're able to pick up? Changes or something in the equipment to go seven, eight years before you see something again?
2: It's well it's, it's a passion, it's a passion and a drive. Uh, you see it once and you want to recreate it and you want other people to see it and you know, it's there. You've gotten, you know, either the other, you know, where you get an EVP or you see something, you hear something, you know, something's there. And sometimes it just can't manifest, but um, it's just that experience and to, to, to recreate what happened. It's like a high. It's uh, the only way I can explain it. Um, you, you, you hear about drug addicts who talk about trying to chase that high again, the first high they got, it's kind of like that. And when it happens again, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's phenomenal. Uh, and like I said, you just want, uh, and when you capture it on video, that's even a whole nother spectrum because you could actually put it out there and show people what you actually capture and put them out, put it out there so they can dissect it and, uh, kind of, you know, no, you know, in, in layman's terms, basically judge it, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Prove it. You can hear it is. What are orbs? A lot of people talk about seeing orbs.
2: Uh, I'm not a big orb person. Uh, that was a big thing 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I've only seen one orb, real orb, that I believe, and that was not even on a paranormal investigation. That just happened to be. Uh, I was at a place and this ball of light just shot through the ceiling and not only I saw it, but four other people saw it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's more, uh, to me, uh, orbs they, what, what people think they are. People ask, a lot of people say, Oh, when well, they see these orbs that they're entities or, 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 you know, ghosts or whatever. Yeah, maybe they are, but I've never seen one on an actual investigation. Like, you know, these videos you see online, a lot of times, you know, you can they could be dismissed as uh, as moisture, dust, um, a million other different things in the air mm-hmm. that you're is usually bouncing off of and creating this light anomaly.
1: So when when you're doing your investigation and you're doing your filming and all that, you know to get rid of those kind of things, like a dust okay. reflection or. You know, all of that. And that's just experience. You recognize yeah. that.
2: Yeah, you don't even pay attention to stuff like that when you're like going back and reviewing your your evidence, your your video evidence and things of that nature. That stuff just like it doesn't even phase you. Uh, you're looking for more of a shadow movement or something that you can't explain that, that wasn't there when you were actually, you know, in real time. Yeah.
1: And And have you become better at seeing ghosts because you're more sensitized to it or that kind of doesn't happen? They're either there or they're not.
2: They're either there or they're not. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not a psychic. I don't see things. I don't, you know, I mean, yeah, everybody gets these feelings when some, you know, being in some of these locations and I get them too. Sometimes you feel off. Something doesn't feel right. But then you got to think, is that something to do with the property as far as uh environmental is it black mold is it you know something else that's setting you off so you got to kind of you debunk that stuff you got to kind of look into it and and dissect it when you get these kind of feelings or you capture any kind of evidence like that uh you don't want to jump to write the paranormal not everything's paranormal being very little little of it is actually paranormal
1: what do you call paranormal? Because I put psychic in with paranormal, but you don't, do you? Paranormal is is a, a large variety of things. Yes, psychics are
2: definitely part of paranormal. They're unexplained. Paranormal is basically the unexplained. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could do UFOs, cryptics, Bigfoot, um, you, you name it, uh, the, the ghost. That's all paranormal in my perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um. So where do you usually, where's the most haunted? Is it the East Coast, the uh, Northeast Coast?
2: Uh, most haunted? Yeah. Uh, or what's
1: you really, your favorite location, I guess? to.
2: You really can't put a label on A lot of people, you, you see it all the time. Certain states label themselves as the most haunted state. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's some places you go to that are, are got a lot more things going on because they have a, uh, a longer history. Mm -hmm. and have a more tragic history um i think that's the places that are probably the most haunted. you know you'll come across a lot of these like prisons and asylums and things of that nature where or like battlegrounds like gettysburg for example uh that have a, a tragic history and a lot of bad things went down there so you're more you're more uh acceptable to something happening uh and things could happen there probably a lot easier than it could just in the average home uh as far as i mean i love investigating anywhere i mean i my big thing I, I loved investigating out west the midwest and out west i've had some amazing experiences out there in these locations things i can't put my i can't wrap my head around
1: what are they tell us about them
2: uh we've had uh Situations like in uh, New Mexico, uh, a place called Fort Stanton, where we actually captured a, um, what looked like, and and we all agreed to it, it looked like a nurse coming out of a wall and kind of staring down a hallway. We got that on video. That was on the show. Um, That was captured with a camera. It's called, uh, yeah, Ah, man, I forget the name of the camera now. Uh, but we caught that on the camera that, uh, that we use for, uh, capture photon events. Uh, we, uh, was
1: that the ghost hunters when ghost yeah, hunters,
2: that was on, on ghost okay. hunters. Uh, we, uh, in Alaska, I captured on my body cam, I, uh, an apparition twice within like 10, 15 seconds, full body apparition, just standing there right in front of me. Mm. Uh, there's, you know, we're out in Arizona, a place called uh, Stanton. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Clifton, Arizona, a place called Clifton, Arizona. We, we, uh, we had some amazing experiences out there with these light anomalies uh, on camera that we can't explain. Uh, Are
1: man. they formed or formless, a light anomaly?
2: Nom- the only way we can explain it, if you're watching the original movie Poltergeist, when those light anomalies were kind of swirling and coming out of the walls and everything, that's what it looked like. Uh, we can't explain it. Um, yeah, it was. It was just one of those things. Like you can, you can, you can never wrap your head around it. It was like a photon event where this, these lights were coming down this, this across a room and down a hallway, and they had like these trails behind them. And it's like, what is this? And it's the crazy thing was that was one of the, um, the witnesses, well, several witnesses said they would see this apparition or this, uh, this anomaly walk across the room and down this hallway. But the way we captured it were, were these, basically these, these light trails with this ball of light that most people would probably call an orb, but this was no orb that I ever experienced. Um, Yeah. Things like that. It's this, uh, we call some amazing stuff out there.
1: How, what Uh, does it feel like? Does it, is there a feeling to it when, I I mean, your eyes are seeing this, but does your body register anything else?
2: I think it's more excitement. Mm -hmm. It's not a scare factor. There's no like, you know, I'm scared. I don't want to be here. No, it's more, uh, like you're actually capturing this on video. And you're actually able to uh, put this out in the world for people to see. And it's an excitement value to it where it's like, wow. I mean, this is not just a personal experience where I can tell you, oh, I saw this. No, this is something, hey, I saw plus I ca- I capture on video and I could show everybody. So, yeah, for us, at least, it was, I mean, most people would probably be scared. If they're not used to dealing with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Uh, We no, it was it was it was just an exciting time, yeah.
1: Now, when you go into these places, because you investigate them before you go in, so you know that they've got a high level of seeing ghosts or seeing some some paranormal before you go in.
2: Uh, No, we don't investigate them beforehand. On the show, we would get that we would they would get submitted to us, and people would say they were haunted. Or, yeah, they would send us evidence, like video evidence or audio evidence, and it would have to be eyewitness testimonies and and people who actually, like uh, an owner or someone who worked at a location that were were fearing what was happening. Uh, we would go there totally with just that in hand. That was it. You didn't investigate or anything beforehand. We would get there, start filming, and uh, pretty much jump right into it, and we capture what we capture. Every at the end of the week. Yeah. We've been there for a, at, on a minimum at a week for a week, sometimes too.
1: Wow. So how do you know if they're, you know, just crazy or telling you the truth that we're oh, really we, seeing these things?
2: We, yeah. We had quite a few where we, uh, we had to back out on them you know, halfway through or in the first day or two because they weren't telling the truth or, uh, So we started like our production company started venting them more, you know, and really, you know, kind of researching what they were saying before they were sitting, you know, spend all that money to send us out there uh, to uh, investigate some of these locations. Yeah,
1: that's what I was wondering about. Yeah, that's what I meant investigating, because a lot of people have a lot of claims and then you get there and nothing, no. Yeah, well,
2: it, it's not just that. I mean, some people can have claims, and it could be real. They could be experiencing things, and we're just not capturing it. I mean, it doesn't—it doesn't work on demand. It's not like a dog, who is a trained dog, where you can tell it to sit and it sits. You can't do that with a, with a paranormal or an entity. You can't say, "Hey, I want you to, to appear in that corner." It doesn't work that way, unfortunately.
1: Have you ever found a ghost that liked the cameras? <laughs> that liked uh, to be filmed. <laughs>
2: Uh, we we've had experiences with uh, I wouldn't say like to be filmed, but uh, we had experiences with ones that would act on demand, where you would ask it to move something or throw something or create something, and it would yeah.
1: That's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's when you're dealing with something like that, it's, there's a there's a high level of, of intelligence behind it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you have to make you wonder, uh, you know, what you're dealing with, uh, because lots, you know, we've had we've had places like Waverly Hills, we've investigated where we had what we, we come to believe was a prankster, someone who just wanted to mess with people and have right. fun. And who wouldn't? I mean, if you were if you were a ghost or an entity or whatever, and you've been dead for 50, 100 years, you probably get pretty damn bored, <laughs> and uh, you'd want to mess with people, especially people coming in to investigate a location. They could, Day in and day out, there's people coming in that particular place because it's well known. Waverly Hills, there um,
1: is Waverly Hills. I don't know. It's
2: it's it's not far from like outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. okay.
1: You do quite, or when you were with the show, was there was a lot of um, investigation in Kentucky? Kentucky was a hot spot, wasn't it?
2: No, we did, we only investigated on the show once in Kentucky.
1: Oh, really? Because. um Mustafa I had talked to him and he said something about Kentucky.
2: Yeah, well, they yeah, he, they filmed their uh, their new show. there in Kentucky.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So he was saying it was kind of a hot spot.
2: Yeah, they show, did- they're kind of based around uh, local haunts and uh, stuff in Kentucky, in the Kentucky area. Yeah. hmm.
1: So um, the one that that was performing for the camera. Um, How long did they perform for the camera? Did they ever get tired of it or stop doing it? You know, why not just put a a, a camera on them always?
2: (laughs) No, I think they're probably pretty tired of that. Uh, It was more um, just kind of piecing it together. Certain things they were doing, we were asked and they would do it. It may not be right at that moment, but 10 minutes from there, from the time you asked, it would happen.
1: Give me an uh, example of it.
2: Well, uh, if you if uh, you watch the Labor of the Hills episode, there's a, uh, a, um, a there's a, a clip of uh, Mustafa and I uh, we're you're know, talking to something we have, you have some equipment set up and we're getting hits on the equipment. And we're like, at one point, we both ask, hey, if you know, if, if you want to play a joke on us, you know, play a prank on us, go ahead and do it. Do something. Throw something. Do something. And we started walking down the hallway, and our camera op, or camera, our cameraman was behind us while we we're walking down this this corridor in Waverly Hills. And this rock, and I still have it; it's actually on my shelf right here. I kept it about four four and a half inches long. Come flying across the the corridor out of a room, and literally missed our camera op's head by about five or six inches, and hit a wall, bounced off the wall, uh, so. In my opinion, that was this entity saying, yeah, "There you go, I got you." It's, it it it, us. it 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 scared us at the moment because it was like, a, yeah, it was like not so much scared us, but it was more of a jump scare. Like, what was that? You know, it was like mm. dude, it's a gunshot going off. It was so loud when it hit that wall. And the funny thing is, our Eric, who was our camera op with us, he was a total skeptic. He and he's been he'd worked on many paranormal shows, not just Ghost Hunters, other shows where he had never had anything happen. Yeah. You know? And that happened to him. And he I think he became a believer that night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did he work on shows after that?
2: Yeah, yeah, he still worked on oh, he, good. It's not just ghost, not just paranormal, but uh other shows. But uh he worked on several paranormal shows before that. And uh and he his, from the way he talked he never had really anything ever happened that kind of like yeah, you know, blew his mind and that blew his mind because he knew there was nobody there except Mustafa, myself, and him walking down this hallway, this long corridor. No one else in this rock about four 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 and a half inches long come flying across the room and literally missed him and the camera by inches. Yeah.
1: And was it a miss or was it they it wanted to hit him and missed or th- deliberately I think, missed? I, know, I know.
2: I don't think he wanted to hit him. No, I think he yeah. just wanted, you know, shake us up a little bit. Yeah,
1: did a good think, job.
2: Yeah, there's any ill intent at all. It was just something that was messing with people because it had done the other things earlier in the investigations too. Well, we don't know if it was that particular one, but we had other things that happened, like little prankster type things that were like, okay, you got us.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else did you ask him to do that he did? I'm saying he, do you know if it's a he or she or know anything more about the spirit? You can't put
2: it, um, unfortunately, you can't really put a name, they could say a name, but you can't believe that, you know, you yeah. don't know. Um, uh, there was a point where uh, Brandon and Mustafa were down in the, what's called the body chute, which is this long staircase that goes down on like a 25, 30 degree angle. It's about a football field long, and this is where they used to take the, the bodies out as a body shoot. There's a staircase and there's a ramp to the, the one side on the right, and there's what a is door.
1: this place though that has a Waverly body shoot?
2: Hills, Waverly Hills was a TB hospital. Um, oh, okay, it was one of the biggest ones in the country. It was, it's huge. You got to look at Waverly Hills up. I have uh, to. I mean, literally thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people died there mm-hmm. during the uh, TB outbreak. Um, and it, it was so big that it had its own zip code, and its own post office. That's wow. how big. So if you were there, even the doctors and nurses, you lived there because most of the doctors and nurses as well had TB.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, That's what I
1: was thinking. You wouldn't go because at that point it was so contagious and nothing yeah. really you could do about it.
2: If you look at on the one on the backside of Waver Hills or these, breathe ways these like porches and it's like four or five stories high and this is where they would wheel the people out of the rooms to get fresh air so people could actually drive up like their family members loved ones and kind of look at them and talk to them from the ground level but they couldn't get close and as we've dealt with our tb hospitals that were like that as well but on a lot smaller level but waverly definitely the largest by far um but yeah, then you know you, you have people you know, passing away on a daily basis there. Mm-hmm. So they made this underground tunnel so people didn't see the bodies leaving the building. So they would be out of eyesight and it would take them down. And this thing's literally a football field long. And it would take them down this long tunnel and they go out to, uh, from what I understand, was a, a, uh, a train in uh, like an area where the bodies would be taken away. So that's what, yeah, that's what Waverly was. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, um, what else did you see in there?
2: Uh, Waverly, uh, we had all kinds of stuff happen. Uh, it was one of those places where you just kept seeing these sh- shadow anomalies or these people call them shadow figures. Sometimes they're in the, in the form of a person. Sometimes it's just an, a, a dark mass. And you would just see them darting across the hallways all day, middle of the day, night. Whatever you would see them all the time. It was it was probably one of the most active places I've ever been to, and we were there for a good week. And uh, it, you got used to it. There was just so much stuff going. You just got used to it. It's like it was it was like second nature. Yeah.
1: Is it empty now?
2: Yeah, it's empty. It, no, one mean yeah. lives there, but it's totally it's it's basically a tourist spot for a paranormal. Like they, there's they do a big Halloween thing there every year too, where they. It's like, on house um but also it's open for paranormal teams to go in there you know to purchase for the night you know they they, they pay for the place they go in there and they investigate and um it's an amazing location uh, i can't say enough great things about how awesome that place is
1: do you think these um spirits are stuck there stuck in between or didn't know they died or
2: That's you know? a theory. yeah it's a theory um I don't think we can ever prove that they're actually stuck there. I think if they're an intelligent haunt that they can actually, uh, they can move about as they want. You know, it's like their home, you know, you're probably not going to want to leave your home that much. I know when I'm not on the road doing something, this is where I want to be. And when I get home, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, I, I believe like th- these people die there. Maybe they don't know they're dead. Maybe they're stuck in their own time. Who knows? Uh, maybe we're the ghost to them. Yeah. We don't know. There's so many. There's so many questions, and we'll. I don't think we'll ever know them all until, until we're you know on the other side. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's no communication at all, other than a rock being thrown at you.
2: Well, I mean, you get EVPs sometimes that answer questions for you and things of that nature. You got to remember paranormal and all is a pseudoscience it's Mm -hmm. it's proven science so that's where we're at right now uh is trying to move it forward and now the crazy thing is the cool thing is there's a lot of actual scientists who are actually starting to investigate the paranormal and starting to try to figure out what's going on because they know something's going on they're just not willing to put their name on it yet yeah you know, the, you know, with any type of experiment, to prove it, there's it could be, you know, weeks, months, years involved into proving one thing. And it, it, it ha- all has to do with that, that lineage of making it happen more than once, multiple times, the same way, so you can actually prove it's happening. And with paranormal, it's like, so all over the place when you're go- investigating, something happens here and then 10 minutes later happens there, sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we're at. It's hard to prove that.
1: Yeah. That one that threw the rock, could you have had h- him, her, whatever, perform? You said there were other things that went at- on and that's really a performance at that yeah. point. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, it could, it could have been a coincidence that it's for something, but
1: for not me- a rock flying through the air. Yeah. Right?
2: <laughs> no coincidence that it threw something like meaning that it had nothing to do with our questions earlier in the night uh 10 15 minutes before that but with the questions we were asking and the way it kind of played itself out it makes you believe that it was acting off what you were asking it to Mm -hmm. do basically play a joke on you and it's what it Yeah, it did that several times, not just to us, but to some of the other investigators who were there on the show.
1: Yeah, so so it it was pretty consistent then. I mean, that was the only ghost just, that you had performing that consistently, though.
2: Yeah, like that. I mean, you've got you've gotten the ones who've who've uh entered EVPs for you and things of that nature, but where it actually physically uh, was able to move something to that nature, yeah, that's pretty compelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're under attack. The yeah. EVPs, um, what do you think of them?
2: I think some of them can be dismissed, um, but there are the ones out there. Like, there's ones on the show that we would come across EVPs, sometimes dozens of them on one investigation. And if you cannot prove it within 100%, if it's what, like, if it's 99%, you threw it out because it just wasn't, you weren't able to prove it. Uh, you weren't able to prove it was, you know, somebody outside talking or um, something, you know, a, a piece of equipment making that noise or, you know, if you can't really understand it. Um, but if you, the ones that you, the ones that you always kept and you try to keep in the show were the ones that were asked, were when you're asking a question and it was answering it. Um, that's the ones that are compelling, to, you know, to all of us, because you ask a straight up question like, hey, what year did you die? And it answers your question to a T. It's like, OK, well, it's kind of that's kind of hard to throw out.
1: Yeah. Now, did you know the answer before you an- asked the question?
2: Sometimes. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Because so- sometimes that's leading too. But again, you know, are you hearing what you want to hear? Is what exactly. I'm asking,
2: but I you guess have yeah. multiple, you have multiple people hearing the same thing on an EVP. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to throw out that point. They're all if everybody if you're not if you play that EVP for somebody who wasn't there and they and you don't tell them what that EVP says and they hear the same thing you do, that's yeah, it's it's pretty that's interesting. It. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So you're still out there ghost hunting, right? So you're oh, yeah. doing you're doing it for your show right now or your upcoming show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. you're doing events as well around the country. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're still as obsessed <laughs> at finding that next ghost. Oh yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Hey, um, so what else I want to bring you back because we're going to need to close soon. So um what else do you have coming up that you'd like, you know, to tell the audience about?
2: Well, besides for Dead Live coming out here in the next month or so, uh, again, look out for that. Uh, We're actually. And that'll
1: be on your paranormal warehouse?
2: It's on a couple different uh, streaming services, Paranormal Warehouse being one of them. So you could go to uh, www.paranormalwarehouse.com and it'll be streaming on there. Uh, Also, I got the book coming out next year. Uh, It's called The Devil Resides in Cleveland. It's about a case that I did in Cleveland about seven years ago uh, that kind of, uh, shook me and almost made me quit the paranormal. So oh, that's
1: really? frightened you. It didn't frighten me. And it, it was, it was, it really, it, it,
2: uh, it did a number on me. Yeah. Frightened me some where I almost actually quit doing this altogether because of it. Um, wow. yeah, it did. It did a number on, on my, my physical health and, uh, yeah, it was not a good place, but, um, yeah, check that out. That's coming out uh, next spring. It's in uh, editing right now. And um, so that I'll be doing a book tour for that come starting in September, I believe. We're already getting set up for that for September of uh, 2023, that is. Um, and I've got, you know, all kinds of events all, you know, through the spring into next, you know, all into summer to fall this year. Um, and that's all
1: done. on the Paranormal Warehouse that's uh, listed. Can,
2: some parent Warehouse. Some of that's on. Uh, if you go to, to Flumery Promotions, that's uh, I do a lot of stuff for them. And RA Media, which is my uh, agent. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show, Daryl. I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm looking forward to that book coming out too, as well as your your film. I definitely want to watch the Dead Live and see how that works because that's going to be new to me too. So thanks for being on the show.
2: Thank you for having
1: me. Great, and have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.